Welcome to the Saving Capitalism Podcast. All right, everybody. So today, I have someone on that I'm very excited to bring on. Um, uh, very inspirational, Evan Carmichael. Uh, to put this into perspective, you, you're, you're talking about a guy here that Ed Milette called modern day Napoleon Hill. I, um, he built at 19 and sold a software, biotech software company. At 22, he was a venture capitalist that turned 500,000 to 15 million. Um, he has set two world records. Uh, he's a husband, a father, uh, very, very inspirational, but most importantly, he's someone on a mission. And uh, I very much align with the mission that he has set forth and his outlook. And that's why I'm excited to have him on. Now, he's very busy. Uh, we only got about 25 minutes of time with him, but that 25 minutes is impactful and the lessons that we can learn from them. Now, we're going to be talking about individuals and individuals building their own life and being more in charge and where he came from and his mental outlook and how he goes about that. And he gives you some uh, methods that he uses. Uh, I love them very much. He talks about um, the big whys, the little whys. He talks about um, uh, the push and the pull. And we're going to dive into how you can use those same strategies in your life. Um, now, afterwards, we're going to talk about, as he talks about, entrepreneurship at the landscape. Uh, so after we get done, we're going to dive into a little more of those subjects. So once he ends, hold on, um, we're going to do a wrap up and dive a little deeper with the extra time that we have. But I was grateful for the time that we had with him. So let's dive into it. Evan, how's it going? I'm great, AJ. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, you know, we, I appreciate you coming on. I know we don't have a lot of time with you. So I wanted to really kind of dive into uh, some of these topics. You are a man with a mission and you have done a lot. So why don't you give us a quick um, look at what you've accomplished and what your mission is right now? And then we can really dive into this stuff. Well, I, I think a lot of our missions are aligned, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to solve the world's biggest problem that I don't think people believe in themselves enough. And I'm trying to wake up every day to solve that. Uh, people would probably know me best through my YouTube channels or books or speaking or one of those things. And I think entrepreneurs are going to solve all the world's problems. You know, I, I don't think we need to wait for government to do something <laughs> or, or a big corporate. Like, I think it's us. I think it's the entrepreneurs from the bottom up who are going to be finding innovative solutions to all the world's major problems. And I'm on a mission trying to help them uh, believe themselves to go chase down those dreams and change the world. You know, I, your message is, is so timing in a world where I feel like people feel out of control. They don't feel like they can make an impact. They don't feel that they have control, which is not true at all. 
And we agree, right? It, it's our mission from the bottom up. So like yours is with the individuals, ours is, is on the economic side to getting people to take control of their lives and participate in the system. Now, when you say that this is your mission, talk to me about what the problems are today. What are you seeing out there and how do you want to help and solve these? Man, there's so many problems. I mean, you just have to load up any news website and you're just going to see all the all the chaos and problems and whether it's whether it's just domestic issues, whether it's international issues, uh, there's like every news outlet is just reporting on problems. So if you're looking for problems, just just go to any major mainstream publication, just see problems, problems, problems. And what most people do is they, they see the problems and they panic and they get scared and they and they hide and yeah. they side and they get protective and they go scarcity mindset and and they just are fearful and so the media uses this as opportunities to inject more fear because you have to keep reading about what the thing is because now i'm scared for my life where the entrepreneurs and and i i see that as an opportunity like these are all opportunities anytime there's there is pain and frustration there's opportunities every great yes. business has been started by an entrepreneur who saw a giant problem and instead of complaining said, huh, maybe I can fix that. And they built the business on top of it. So I think there's a, there's a lot of negativity in the system. There's a ton of problems, uh, which means there's a ton of opportunities. I, I, as much as people complain about all the problems that we're having now, I think it's the greatest time to be alive. Like I think it's never Absolutely. been easier to be an entrepreneur and win. Yeah. You know, like how old are you right now, AJ? I'm 39, 39. I'm 43. So like the opportunities available to you today at 39 compared to your parents when they were 39. Oh, it's, it's a completely close. different world. Yeah. And totally. so like you can actually go and do whatever you want. You can actually go and mm -hmm. build a business where when your parents were 39 or my parents are 43, you had to be crazy to be an entrepreneur. You had to basically be unemployable. It's like, you can't get a job. So your last resort is to start your own business or you're just crazy. Where yeah. now it's it's completely possible, and so for everybody who's who's crapping on all the problems in the world, it's not that those things don't exist, but it's like we've never been more able to fix it. And the individual, if you're talking from the bottom up, has never been more empowered to go off and make an actual impact if they just decide to go off and do it. Me and my wife were not happy with the school system, as the vast majority of everyone in the United States is, and. Um, we decided that we didn't want to just spend our life complaining about things, but we actually wanted to take it. So my wife built a school that has over 300 kids, teaches Let's entrepreneurship, go. economics is accelerated, a big campus, right? And she did it in three years. And it's like this empowering that you're talking about is so vital because the system actually is dependent on us solving it. And that's what makes it great. It makes it great that you can, right? And that you are. And the the comparison of us versus our parents like I, I, it's weird that we live in a time where millennials are like i'm worse off than my parents and i'm like how name one area and they're like well it's harder to buy a house and you're like our participation in the housing market is over twice what our parents was it's actually easier to get homes today and we have more disposable income today than they had by a factor of two double the disposable incomes we work less than 80% of the time that they did to achieve the same income, meaning that we can have more jobs and do more. But that is not the, that is not what's coming across to people. Instead, it's, it's, it's just this like, well, there's nothing that I can do. I hope that I vote for a politician that somehow makes my life better. Yeah. I mean, I think access to the right information has just never been easier. 
I mean, I grew up in maybe the last era of actually looking at libraries. In, in high school, I don't know if you, when the internet came out for you, but in my high school, I was still going to the library to do research for my homework assignments and essays and whatever yep. else. Like who goes to a I remember when now? we got computers. So the access to, if you think about, you know, the previous generations, who did you learn from? You learned from your, your family, your parents, your, your uncles and your aunts and your community, and, and maybe some books that taught you something and, and, you know, think and grow rich and a couple of the books came out and those become, they became classics. But now if you want to learn about venture finance, if you want to learn about entrepreneurship, if you want to, you're not going to go to the library. It, but it's all on YouTube. Like the best teachers are on YouTube. Everything is on YouTube. You can go and learn from some of the top minds in the world and answer any question that you've got for yourself. And now with, with the AI revolution coming in as well, you got GPT helping you out as well. Like the answers have never been easier uh, for you to answer those questions. And so it's a completely different world. I, I'm super pumped. And I'm nothing but optimistic. lower risk. So, you know, for think sure. about like our parents, like you want to start a business, you have to go brick and mortar you have to buy inventory on shelves yeah. you've got to go lease property you've got to go my daughter can go start a website on her babysitting money amazing absolutely incredible yeah so tell people what you've done you've talked about this opportunity and everything because you you have an amazing amazing background. And I think you have, you've done things that probably most people, man, would honestly be like, that's unachievable for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm a introvert, shy person living in Toronto, Canada, um, that struggled a lot just to get in front of the camera and, and get any kind of message out there. Uh, fast forward to today, I'm, you know, known for the YouTube channel. We've got whatever, three something million subscribers, um, and making content to help entrepreneurs, get up every day and believe in themselves a little bit more because I needed it for myself because I wanted to be around Steve Jobs and Oprah Winfrey and have these people in my ear every day. So I make the content for me and then share it with others. And thankfully, there's enough other people who like the content. I don't have the answer to most of these problems, but my goal is to try to inspire the entrepreneurs who do have the answers to actually go and solve them. I, I absolutely love that message right there. Um, and I think this is very much lost today. And I believe so much in what you just said and how I, I look at this too, is, you know, when we say saving capitalism, people are like, you think you can change or save capital? I'm like, oh no, if I can just help individuals participate in it, then other people will participate and save it. Not me. That's not the point. Right. And that is the beautiful thing of it. The more people that get involved, the more solutions that are created the more opportunities everybody has. And it's at mass, it's scale. It's about not solving people's problems, but instead giving the opportunity for more people to come together to solve big problems. And a lot of people don't think that way. They don't think that message. It's either me, I'll fix it all, I'll do it all, or somebody else, meaning I'll vote for somebody and then they will do it. But it's just not how it works. Now, were you... It was this your when when you were younger, was this your mode of thinking? Was this your operation or was this something that really grew inside you later on and, and you began to empower yourself in that type of thinking where you're like, I can do more and I can solve my own problems. So I grew up in a family where my 
my dad and his side was a lot into like b big business and, and government jobs and kind of super stable. My mom's side was into politics. And so we got, I got my mom who's like going to change the world through politics. And my dad is going to change the world through like big organizations. And it's like, I think it's entrepreneurs guys. I think it's, I think it's us is going to change. Our, and it's not that th those, those groups can't make an impact. I just think yeah. it's going to be entrepreneurs. And it, mm -hmm. it, it started off with me just doing little things. I mean, having a little impact. I mean, my first business was baseball cards and having little trade shows. And in 92, 93, I'm 12 and 13. And the Blue Jays, my hometown team, won the World Series. And so it was a whole big thing. And baseball cards were huge back then. And that was my first kind of little business. And that taught me how to make some money. And then I could hire people and started building other businesses. And you see the impact of it. Like if you talk about having an impact, when you can take somebody who has a crappy job and you give them an opportunity and then you see them change their life around, you see the direct impact that you're, you're able to have on one person or your, your products or services that you sell. You see the impact that you have. Even if you had a, a kid doing a, your, your daughter doing her babysitting service, you know, then the parents come home. It's like, oh, thank you. That was yeah. like, we had a nice night out. Like you were able to give us that. Thank you. Right. Yes. You see the impact of the actual work that you're doing, where a lot of times in, in big jobs, you never see the, like, what am I doing here? What, I don't see any impact. How is me moving things from this box to that box leading to anything? Like, it's just so far disconnected. And so it's, it's a lot easier to see the direct results of the thing that you're doing. And then as you continue to build up and scale, you start to see bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger impacts. And as you start to study successful entrepreneurs, like look at the people who've, who've changed the world just a lot of entrepreneurs in there. It's like, man, well, that they just had a vision. They created this product or service. Like maybe I can do something as well. And maybe you make the dent in the universe like Steve Jobs or you make your own, you know, dent in your community. But it's still like your wife going and creating that school and having the 300 or however many kids showing up. Like that's, I mean, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Now, yes. does she roll it out across the country? And now there's this new, like, maybe, or maybe her mission is just to keep it local and, and 300. But in either case, it's having, a, it's having a major impact on the people who come out to the schools. And so every time somebody goes off and does that, it becomes a model for other people to follow. There's all the people out there that I could never start a school. Like the only way to start a school is you go to Africa and you, you start some school there, right? But your wife has done her own school, right? Like it's doable. Yeah. And even if she doesn't have ambitions to take it nationwide, I don't know, maybe she does, but if she doesn't, that could still be the model for somebody else to take her thing and yes. then grow upon it, right? Because yeah. she's proven that it's possible that you can get yes. 300 kids to come out to this new school that like she didn't go to school to learn how to start a school, you know, she started yeah. a school, right? Exactly. And so every time somebody does something, if you're going to build it up to be something great, amazing, but if not... It's, it serves as an example for somebody else to say, I'm going to take that and continue to build upon it. And I think that's how we start to actually make major change. You know what I think is your, your message, man, is so important. It's so impactful. And I think one of the things that I gravitate with your message is, is something you, you say, you say, you know, I had all of these things where I was shy. I was worried about letting people down. Right. I had, you know, I'm introvert, everything else. And then somebody seeing you and how successful you are, they first glance, they may go, Oh, well you either totally overcame all that, or you're a different person. Or if they didn't know that they'd assume that you didn't have any of those. And I love how you say, I still struggle with all of those things. 
that it, it it's not you you weren't super human right it's not that you just like found the quick fix and you did it that's not it and that's not how it works and you are successful despite those things how does someone mimic working through issues where they believe i can't be successful because i am shy or i don't know how to put myself out there or i i'm afraid of letting my mom and dad down right or i see this problem but i can't do that it's got to be somebody else how yeah. how how does one follow that path not getting rid of but working within who they are even with faults yeah i mean ag this is one of the biggest battles that i that i faced uh, you know the in my career of, of building a brand and creating content and all that. Cause you kind of have to be in front of the camera and making content. And so yep. there's two things that really helped me. Um, and I still use it and it, I, it's the push and the hug and the push is I want to do hard things. So I have three trigger words, scary, difficult, and hard. If I say it, if I think it, if I feel it, I have to do it just because like, even if it, even if it's completely unrelated, if I say, Oh, that's too hard. Now I have to do it because I want to be the person who does hard things, not for anybody, for me, like yes. what I might find hard. Yeah. You might think, dude, that you find hard. That's ridiculous, but it's hard for me. So yep. I don't want to accept hard as a good enough reason for me not to do something because all of our greatest ambitions and goals are on the other side of scary, difficult and hard. So the fact that's that right. it's, if I say one of those three things, I have to go off and do that thing. And so that's, that's a push. That's a, that is a, that is a push forward to say, I must go do this. I want to grow and learn and be better. So that's the push. The hug is these things that we're doing are not for us. They're to serve somebody. Why start this show? It's to try to yeah. serve people, right? Yeah. I mean, why start your business? Ultimately it's, it's to serve people. Yes. We have 100%. to make money and, and yes. And we're trying to make some kind of impact. Like you're hoping mm -hmm. that this show reaches somebody and that sparks a shift for them. Your wife starts a school because that's going to help those 300 kids and their families and has just giant ripple community effect out. Right. So that's correct. tap into the, who you're going to help because you'll do more to help somebody else out than you will for yourself. Yeah. And whenever you can connect the thing that you're doing to helping and to service, you're much more likely to follow through. And so I use both of those. That's the hug. So the push and the hug. And, and some days I need more like 80% push and 20% hug. And some days it's, it's the opposite, but anytime that there's a challenge in front of me that I, I'm reluctant to do because I, naturally I can be shy and introverted and never get in front of the camera. That's super easy for me to do. I need to use the push and the hug to propel me forward. Oh, that is, yeah, that is so impactful. I, when we, you know, well, when I got started, I, same thing. I was like, if there's something hard, I had to start small, but I was like, I wanted to overcome it. It could be stupid stuff. Like th this could have been like, I'm afraid of heights or something, but it, I want to do something that I can overcome or do something that gets me out of my comfort zone, something that hurts so I can prove that I can to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people see overarching and daunting tasks and it scares them or it seems hard and it overwhelms them. And for me, I started very small, mm -hmm. right? And I was a horrific public speaker. Mm 
Um, it would have been way easier for me to never do that again. Um, it was so embarrassing stuff that kept me up at nights. Right. And it was like, you know, how do you, but I started small and tried to progress from there. And I think a lot of people miss what you're talking about. It's not like you go and say, oh, I'm going to solve world hunger today. Right. But you may start and say, I am going to solve hunger for this one person. Mm -hmm. And then it's two. And then it's 10 and then it's 50, then it's a hundred. Right. And so breaking down those things into sizes that you can tackle and then figure out how to grow it. Yeah. A lot of how I operate is I, I, I use, I pull from extremes depending on what I need in that moment. So like the push and the hug are complete opposite extremes. One is very aggressive and like, you got to go do this and almost yelling at myself. And the other is very compassionate and kind, like we're here to serve. And I'll, I'll, I'll use both with, with that example of like hunger, I would do both. I, that one I call the big why and the little why the big why is the big mission. It's like you, entrepreneurs need to have some big thing that they're trying to go off and, and solve. And it's some Save capitalism. Goal. Yeah. It's like <laughs> that you never accomplish and you wake up every day trying to accomplish. Right. Yep. And on yep. some days that big mission is inspiring and invigorating. It's like, heck yeah. And I'm motivated to get up. And then on some day, that's the big why. Yeah. The little why is on some days it's too big. Like on some days that big vision is actually counterproductive. It feels yes. impossible. And then, and it's not motivating. It's the opposite. It's demotivating. It's like, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to make it. This is not going to happen. It's impossible. And the big goal actually causes you to retreat. And so on those days, the little why is that you help one person. Yes. So what you said, it's like, well, I may not be able to help everybody believe in themselves, but I can look at my comments and there's one person in there who said that me showing up today made a difference. And if you can connect the work you're doing to at least one person helping, it may not be your ultimate ambition. Like your goal for this episode, it'd be great if 10 million people saw it. Awesome. And if, and if that doesn't happen, but like one person leaves an insane comment to say, AJ, man, like this was the episode that really flipped something for me. That would mean so much. Yes. And so I pull from both on some days it's big. Why? And, and the little whys don't feel enough. It's like, okay, that's too small. That's great. I help that person, but like, I'm, I'm going to change the world. Yeah. And then on the days when that feels too crazy and too big, it's back to the little whys. Like, okay, but I'm helping, I help that person. Like that means something to me. Right. And so I'll pull from both just depending on what I need in that day. Just like the, the push and the hug, the big why and the little whys. I love that. I love that process. It really does make that easier. And I think everybody can relate to that, right? Because everybody's torn. They're like, I'm doing this, but I'm wasting my time. I should be doing bigger things, right? And then you think about bigger things, stuff. You're like, I'm scared. I don't know how to even get there. And it's like, okay, work on the little things. And that helps you because those are both sides are both very real. We all feel both of them. And two, I think there's a lot of people that don't want to set big whys because of that fear of achieving them. And I, I kind of look at it and say, listen, I, I, yes, we have this idea we call saving capitalism, and everything else like that. Now, once again, the model for us is not that we necessarily will even do it, but that it's a model that is transferable, like you said, that other people will see it and then everybody can participate. And then over a long period of time, that one little change that we're making may change everything. And it's like, I may not change everything, but one little change that I did may, you know, you teach one person, they may go and make that change. Right. 
And that, that makes each part of that though, very meaningful. And sure. I think that's really, really important. I love how you laid that out. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and I, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I can end yeah. with this story. Um, Ted Turner, you know, billionaire, created CNN, Atlanta Braves, et cetera. Uh, he inspired me with this whole like big why thing where I was reading his biography. And at the beginning of the biography, he talks about his dad and his dad's goal was to be a millionaire. Like that was his dad's whole goal. Like I'm going to be a millionaire. And he worked and he worked and he worked and he worked. And eventually he became like, he hit his goal. He, he became a millionaire and then he killed himself wow. because he realized like he was the same person. He was still empty. He was still the, like that goal was not actually, he thought something would have magically changed if he became a millionaire. And so Ted's goal, then after seeing that his dad died when he was like 20 or 22 or something like that, he said, I'm going to set a goal for myself so big that I'm never going to accomplish it. Yes. And so that the same, like you will never save capitalism. No, I will never make everybody. There's always something else that can be yes. done, right? I will never make everybody believe in themselves completely. Yeah. I don't believe in myself completely. Yeah. Yet, right. It's like, it's, it's just, it never happens. And so it's setting a goal so big for yourself that you never accomplish it. And then you wake up every day trying to accomplish it. And, and again, some days that's super exciting and amazing. And some days it's counterproductive. So you need the, the counterbalance of, well, I help one person. And that means something, man. I, I know we don't, you know, have a lot of time. We're grateful for the time that we got with you. This was very, um, I think this is what a lot of people need to hear. And I think it's, uh, the, the thing that is going to connect the dots for a lot of people and hopefully give them the ability to move forward and to make those changes and steps, even if they say, okay, I'm okay. Not accomplishing it. Um, where can people go? with our limited time here with you, where can people go to find out more about you, watch your stuff, learn more about your, your process and your, your philosophy and how to achieve it. Yeah. If you want to deep dive on some of those processes, philosophy, the books are probably the best bet. Cause that's where it kind of goes step by step and just go to Amazon, either momentum or built to serve would probably be the two best ones for what we've been talking about today. Um, and then to find me, Evan Carmichael, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you'll find me. I'm there. And we'll have all those links uh, below. Thank you again for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Love what you're doing. Don't stop. Thank you, AJ. Appreciate you, man. All right. What an exceptional podcast. I was so into everything that we were discussing. I wish we could have had so much more time. I would have loved to pick his brains uh, on a whole host of issues. And the importance of the goal setting structures on the big goal and the little goal. And to be honest, this is something that I think I've struggled with a lot and mainly because almost I'm embarrassed. We called the podcast Saving Capitalism because in my mind, that's what we were doing with our firm. And we didn't view it as a government function. We didn't mean we were trying to be political or in that. No, not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. I don't believe that you make change by forcing others. And uh, when you're dealing with the government, that's all they can do, right? They have a monopoly on force. And our system that is set up is not set up for change to happen that way. And we're going to talk about that. Um, it's actually uh, the inverse. And I believe that saving capitalism, right? We do it from the bottom up. We help others participate. Why? Because that then allows them to change the world in a means that they see fit, choosing to solve problems that they have, that others have. Now, this is 
about setting people up to make independent choices and having resources and abilities to, regardless of ideology, regardless of political stance, regardless of motives and what I even want. And that's liberating. That's how it should be. We shouldn't have contingencies to execute and build and uh, get resources that shouldn't exist. And what we have today is a lot of contingencies. Governments picking and choosing predicated on political leanings and uh, that nobody likes that. We all hate that, right? I don't care if you don't believe in me but you, or believe in the same things I believe in, but you should have every right power and you should have a path where you want to go build and you should be able to. Um, and I focus a lot on when people say you're trying to save capitalism. Well, okay, let's talk about the downside. Wait, what is wrong with capitalism and why does it need to be saving? And really, when we look at it, the concentration of both power and wealth is bad. Concentration of power within government structure, I believe, is bad. Why? Because that is allowing for one ideology to rule over all others. And as much as people have always tried to avoid that because concentrating power is way more effective, um, it just is. Look what dictators can do. And they can do it quickly. They have all the resources and power. Unless you uh, agree with that person, then it's really bad for you. Now, that is the same way I feel about speech and other things. You should not ever infringe on one's ability to express themselves even if you think what they believe in and what they have to say is horrid. And I, there's a lot of people that I think that about. But we have to empower regardless. That's hard. That's a hard concept to get, especially today, that you would empower somebody regardless of what they want. In fact, it's the opposite. We should stop people. We, we, we've become a society that it's, it's not that you get to do what you want and think and believe, but it's we need to do this. And if we don't, we are going to end that. We don't believe they should have resources. We don't believe that they should have a stage or a podium to speak off of. This is so fundamentally wrong. It's just wrong. And it's so anti-capitalism and freedom. And the beautiful thing about capitalism is it breaks down those structures, the concentration of power and the concentration of wealth. Capitalism gets out of control and does, becomes not capitalism when that happens. Now, this empowering that we've talked about. All right, let, let's, let's break down a few things. We talked very much mentally, meaning that how you look and tackle your problems, believe in yourself. There is no shortage of flaws that I have. And this was something that was really hard. It is embarrassing for me to be here on YouTube. It is. I don't know how many of you like I don't like to listen to myself. I don't like to listen to my podcasts. I don't like to see because I am hands down the most critical person uh, against me that has ever and ever will live. Um, I critique myself endlessly. And it became, I think it was really to a point where I had to figure out, am I either, is that going to prevent me from going forward? Because this goal that I had to simply rid myself of all flaws and things that I didn't like um, 
yeah, that's never going to happen. Uh, in fact, it's the opposite. The flaws and the things that I don't like are part of me. Now, there's a lot of you that are listening to this podcast that you may not like what I say sometimes. You may not like how I say it, how I present. Um, and that's good. That's okay. And that's the key. A good society has flaws. We don't like that in America. We want things to be the way we want. We don't want people to not be able to. And in fact, when there are flaws, the easiest way we found to do with it is simply state that they're not. So instead of actually dealing with the problems, we just say, oh, actually, that's totally fine. Everybody can do that. And there should be no social repercussions or anything else like that. And everybody should agree with it. Well, these two things have to exist in the same world, meaning you have to totally not be okay with certain things, but then also allow those certain things to happen. Um, that is freedom. You don't get it one way without the other. And just like I have personal flaws, I also have potential. And I had to come to grips with this. And I've also come to grips with that with every institution, with every, uh, with every society, that that is part of it. It's not that it even makes it bad. In fact, it makes it better. And that's what people don't get. Centralized government power and capital to distribute then and create a society that you want a utopia, right? The fact that you don't have problems or issues is the very fact and reason why it will not work and be destroyed and actually have the opposite effect where it will lead to horrendous outcomes, which it always have. It's never not. And we, even when you look at Europe and the socialized societies that are actually functioning um, in those countries, that's first of all new and they've all had to basically be at war to even get to that point. And most of the progress that has taken place has come from a few other places that had a lot of flaws, including the United States. Flaws are part of it. It's not the absence of it that makes them great. This is tough. This is tough for a person like me that I don't like that answer. I don't like flaws. I strive for perfection and flaws and things that my business has or that I have, and they keep me up. They shouldn't. You, you should just be okay with the things. You should love you for who you are. That's bull crap. It's just bull crap. Now I can accept, but I should also work on my things that I wanna work on. I love this idea of the big why, the small why. I love the push, the pull, setting up things in your life that allow you to progress, setting up things that allow you to build the way you are. Uh, I've had to work through this with my ADHD, with my dis. Lexia, I've had to work that now after being paralyzed and then not having my legs work and not being able to be normal who I was before. That is part of it. And all of those things made me better. Everyone. I don't like the fact that I'm embarrassed to write an email because I'm worried that somebody on the receiving end will think that I'm stupid because of my grammatical errors, which I don't even know are there. Um, I do not like the fact that every morning I wake up in pain but it also reminds me that I'm alive and it reminds me that my time is valuable and it's put urgency underneath me. I don't like the fact that I have to take pills all day and my life is surrounded by them and that causes a whole bunch of other problems, but it cause, creates more awareness. So it's not about not having them. It's not about not having flaws. It's about working with them and not allowing them to take you down or pull you down. The same is true with 
political systems, with economic systems. You cannot have a free economy without having bad players. We want to eradicate economic or, or the economy of bad players. That's not possible because you have to allow the freedom of choice. So to eradicate the bad players completely means you're eradicating choice. Now, obviously we set rules that have to be followed and bad players should be punished, but it will never be perfect. Now I wanted to get down to we individually and mentally, as we've talked about setting yourself up, we talked a lot about uh, entrepreneurs and solving problems. Now, this is something that I view as a micro within a larger macro landscape. And that macro landscape is that we actually have a structure that allows entrepreneurs to build. So when you look at the United States and you look at other countries, the United States is really interesting in its government formation. It was totally different, revolutionized the world. Um, one of the biggest reasons it was different is it was not built for a people. Now, that, you may not understand that, but let me explain. Um, the centralized role of the government was not built on an identity, whereas other governments really are, right? The French government is there to protect the French and the German, they are Germans, and the government is there on behalf of the Germans. And a lot of that social part actually allows them to be more socialistic because there is a defining role in what that government is doing and for who it's doing it for. We don't have that in the United States. The federal government wasn't set up to protect Americans. Why? Because all Americans were immigrants. And at one point in time, those immigrants were hated by somebody else. I mean, the Irish basically had slavery where they were bringing Irish over here to be indentured servants. And that went on for a long time. We obviously had the horrors of actual slavery that are such a stain on our country, uh, speaking of horrific embarrassments. Um, but it's also, that's how the world was. Every single nation has engaged in slave trade. In fact, for most of the world, more of the populations were slaves than not. And that means humanity is cursed with that. Does that mean humanity is obviously all bad? No. Does that mean that that was okay? Oh, absolutely not. It's one of the most horrific things about humanity is that what we would do to humanity. Now, looking at the United States, even with all those problems, the centralized government didn't have a defining factor where other countries did. And uh, this state of the country set up rules that were opposite of that. That's what they didn't want. They didn't want protectionism. They didn't want people or a government to work for a people. The people, yes, not a people. And what has created the landscape of the United States is fighting. And that has created uh, an, an eruption of innovation, both in economic, technology, but also human rights. The United States is hands down the leader in social progress, human rights, preserving nature, and everything else in between. And we fight 
We fight for the things that are important to us and we want, and that's important. But you also have to fight for yourself. You have to fight for your own life and making it what you want it to be. And it is a fight. You have a vision of what you want to be and how you want to become. You have a vision of what society you want. Well, you have to go make it. Not force somebody else to force somebody else to make them be the way you want it. No, I have very strong feelings about that. Um, instead, you need to get out there and create the society that you want. And that should be equal for everyone. Even if you don't like it. And in the United States, for the most part, that is. Um, it is one of the easiest times that we've ever lived in to start a business. We have the largest working population in, that has ever arised in America, the millennials. And we have the best demographics as far as age disbursement goes of any major country, which means we have longevity. The, for most of the world, the next 50 to 80 years are not only going to be rough, they will be devastating. They are inverted on their population trends, and they do not have government structures that allow them to adjust very easily. And so, at some point, the house of cards falls. Now, the United States is not immune to that. Uh, the millennials are not having kids. I have four kids. Come on, guys. Do your part, right? I'm doing mine. Four. Do your part. Uh, and this is going to be something that we have to reckon with because millennials are of the lowest birth rate of any generation ever in the United States. And it is catastrophic. And that is the driving factor of everything. So there is no political entity that survives without growth. Socialism, communism, capitalism, and every other ism is predicated on growth. They don't exist without it. None of them do. Now, in a time of, of growth, you have to ask, where is the growth driving from and what it'll be? And this is where the United States really shines. It's blessed beyond imagine by its geography, its government structure, um, its economic structure, social structure uh, are all so unique. But principally, we can just start off even with the geography. The geography of the United States is unlike any in the entire world. It is hands down the most protected country by nature with two massive oceans on each side of it uh, to get to any, any competing force. Love you, Canada, but you know, you're the longest mileage of unprotected border in the world. Why? Because we're like brothers and sisters. So, you know, we're, we're okay there, right? Now, the Mexican border is more allies even with us than not. And that's a host, uh, hostile border anyways, very hard. And it's protected by oceans from there. We don't have any major threat along a borderline whatsoever. And you would have to cross the major seas, which would have to go through our Navy, which is the largest Navy, not in the world, but bigger than all of the navies of the world combined. That is combined with the more river mileage that is navigable than the rest of the world combined. Amazing. We have the lowest cost per transportation internally than in any other nation. We also have the largest square mileage of land that can produce food and oil. We are self-sustaining and we can be. There's no other country that meets those qualifications. Now, this has blessed the United States, but that's only as good as the government structure. There's other countries like Brazil that I lived in 
that have very similar things going for it, geography-wise. Um, we are also, by the way, the country that is the first, uh, the only, the first world country that is closest to the equator, meaning we are the uh, country, first, only first world country, that has the kind of power from the sun that can be pulled as we do. Because the Rocky Mountains are aligned with the oceans, north to south, it creates a wind stream that is the most powerful in the world to generate power from windmills. The rivers, power from dams. So we're very unique. Now, even countries that have geography that is outrageously favorable with natural resources like Brazil, you have the Amazons all the way down to the south where they have huge um, production of meat. Um, they obviously don't have infrastructure and other things going for it. So this is what we were blessed with. You throw on top of that government structure. Now, our government structure is so contentious. Everybody in the world looks at us and are like, what is wrong with you guys over there? Like, you guys can't get along for anything. Why? Because our government doesn't represent one just people. It represents everybody and everybody fights. And that will never end. It will never end. If that ends, we have a big problem in the United States because we should be fighting. The only time we're not fighting is when we're fighting somebody else. Put a big war. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go fight some, somebody else. I was talking to somebody from another country and they were making uh, more jokes on the social uh, kind of playing field in the United States and what people were arguing about and how people were upset over the stupidest things in the world. And um, you know we were kind of joking about this and then they, they straight attacked uh, certain people and, and political party. And it was like a shock ran down my spine where it was like, I agree with you, but you don't get to, you, no, you don't get to attack them. No, that's not, no, you, you can't do that. And it was, it was so weird for me, but so patriotic at the same time, meaning that I agree with everything you're saying, but you can't say it. And I will side with them every time over you, no matter what. Um, and that's the United States, right? It, it's a mess and the mess is by design. It keeps everything in check. These checks and balances seem obnoxious and potentially violent at some point, but they're necessary. And uh, that has to keep going. But that also has set up a structure, everyone, in which you can decide. You can be contrary to the political power at the time and build a life according to your wants and desires. You can build structures. You can build businesses and create a social circle predicated on what you want, no matter what anybody thinks. This is empowering. And what Chris is doing, or excuse me, what Evan is doing is allowing individuals to recognize their own power so that they can go within this incredible structure that we have here to create and not leave it up and wait for somebody else to create it or think that they're going to vote somebody in that'll take care of your problems. They won't. It is us. That's why I do this podcast. That's what I believe in saving capitalism. It is allowing other people the ability to create the life they want, regardless of whatever it is, that you empower the individuals, right? And the individuals, we create the society we want to live in. And I'm very, very passionate about making sure that that stays. Not the society that I want, but the society that allows 
anybody to build or live the life that they want regardless, even if I don't agree with it. Now, this power, I think, individually can be daunting, and I think Americans, we don't realize it. The political economic structure that we have allows you more favor than any other country in the world to go out and to do. It also has made us incredibly soft. And we argue about things in the United States that are stupid. Um, and so a big part of this is realizing our own power. We think predicated on how things are shown in social norms that the people that are out doing it are either perfect or they're somehow bigger or better. And that's just not true. And progress, everyone, is messy, including in yourself, as a country, as a whole. But that's the point. It's progress. Go follow Evan Moore. Learn more about what he's doing so that you, too, can take control and build for you as well as others. It's about service. And the market rewards service. Even if you don't like what, the, what some people are, are buying and doing, it doesn't matter. If something, somebody wants something and you can be of service to them, you have the opportunity to build. The barriers to building are so low, so low today. What an incredible opportunity it, it, that is, and I hope everyone takes advantage of it. Thanks, everybody. Talk soon.